Hello and welcome to the First Stand Football Show. I'm your host, Tobias Brown. And folks, we are back with another great episode for you guys today. I'm here with running back coach Hayden Daly from Wheeling University. Hayden, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. want to start with, tell us a little bit, you played at Marietta, obviously come from a coaching family. Tell us a little bit about how you found yourself here at Wheeling. What got you into coaching? Well, I knew probably back in high school that I wanted him to be a football coach in some some aspect and through the years I figured out I was like I probably want to coach at the college level so the best thing I thought for me was play college football coming out of high school found Marietta ended up playing there had a great four years great experience and then I knew at that point I definitely wanted to coach in college somewhere you know I knew the best route was to get a graduate assistant position somewhere and luckily for the past few years, my dad has been the assistant offensive line coach here at Wheeling. Uh, he does that as a part-time job, also teaches. So having a familiarity for the staff, I've met the staff before. It was uh, just, you know, lucky to fall in this position, graduate assistant position to be able to start out. Most definitely. And, you know, we all know about the head coach. We know about the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Can you speak a little bit, too, about being a position coach and being a graduate assistant? What's day-to-day -day activity? What are you responsible for, not only at practice, but also on game day? Can you speak a little bit about your role for the team? Well, it's really uh, interesting, actually. You know, everyone watches, like, football at the Division One level. Graduate assistants actually don't have their own position group. They're usually, like, an assistant receivers coach, or they're the – offensive skill GA, the offensive line GA. So it's very different here at the D2 level. I'm a graduate assistant, but I'm also able to coach my own position. So I'm ahead of a position. It's a unique experience. It's pretty awesome. I got a great group of guys. And as far as you know, like my duties, at the D2 level, we don't have a, you know, a ton of volunteer people or we don't have any interns. So as a graduate assistant, you know, we got to do a lot of the grunt work. You know, we set up the field before uh, practice, clean up after. We're in charge of the laundry after practice, after workouts. Uh, for game day, you know, we'll set up the field. We'll set up uh, headsets. I'm in charge of the cameras, so I get the film set up. And then we uh, cut film, break it down, do all that. And, you know, so it's a bunch of work, especially at this level. And, you know, it, it really shows you you have to love the sport to be able to get into this profession because – if you don't love football and you're just in it for the money, when you're starting out, you're really gonna you're really gonna hate yourself. You're not gonna you're not gonna enjoy your life. So you really got to love the sport to be able to get into this position, especially at the Division II level, because it's it's very uh, time consuming. It takes up a ton of time. You don't always don't sleep great hours. So yeah. And you know, you were a tight end in college, yeah. so you weren't a running back. You're now coaching running backs. You know, obviously they're both on the offensive position. They both block, you know. But talk about transitioning from playing tight end to now coaching running backs. What, what are some similarities in the position that maybe we don't recognize as the average fan? Can you speak a little bit to that on? Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, it is a little different. Luckily, through college, I was always in the same meeting room as the running backs tight ends, running backs, we, we switched between going with the O-line and going with the skill guys. We, we were the ones that moved around. So I got to see how the running backs were coached in the film room by uh, different coaches. So that helped my transition. 
I guess the main difference is tight end, you know, you got your hand in the ground a lot of the time, you know, a bunch of run blocking. Running backs, they're the ones carrying the ball. But depending on your personnel, sometimes your running backs are doing the same stuff I did as tight end, you know, depending on, like, if they're blocking on split zone or anything like that. So I was able to bring some of my skills and be able to coach them to my guys. So it's not the toughest transition because I was fortunate enough to be in the same meeting room and they do some of the same stuff still. But it's definitely, you know, another, you know, unique and great learning experience to be able to, you know, I play tight end. I understand, you know, the drills. I didn't know a bunch of running back drills coming in. So just learning, you know, being willing to learn from, you know, my uh, full-time assistants and the coordinators and the head coach, they've helped me out a lot. They've taught me a lot. So being willing to learn, that has helped me transition. You know, I want to talk specifically about your guys' team here at Wheeling. You know, you guys, up and down season last year, were definitely a home team, 4-1 and one at home. You know, road games are definitely when you have a younger team, when you have a newer team. Those are not always easy, but 4-1 and one at home, I definitely think that's something as a coaching staff you have to feel happy about, a nice building block. You know, looking at your guys' stats, you had two 500-yard receivers. You had a guy with seven sacks on the defensive side of the ball. You know, well-rounded football team. You know, I was looking, your leading tackler, I believe, had about 75 tackles. You, as the running backs coach, had a 1,000-yard rusher last year. Overall, there's a lot of talent on this football team. There's, It's a well-rounded football team. Can you speak a little bit about not only the talent you guys have here, but the talent just in general at the Division II level Kind of shed some light on what folks don't understand. It's not all about Ohio State, West Virginia, Alabama. Speak a little bit about that. So you talked about our season. Four and one at home was a great, you know, stepping stone for this program. It's actually a very young program. A lot of people don't know. It's only last year was only the second full varsity season in the program history. So in 2018, when the program started, they had all freshmen on the team and they played a JV schedule. They went undefeated in that JV schedule. And then 19, they went in their first full varsity season. So their first season, you know, they got a bunch of freshmen, sophomores playing against full-grown men, you know. At the Division II level, you'll run into the guys who are like D1 bounce backs that are 26 years old, <laughs> playing against 18, 19-year-olds. So in their first season in 19, they went 1-10. But they won the last game of the year. So they, they grew throughout the year, very young team. And then going into 2020, they just start, you know, uh, in the spring workouts, in the spring ball, and everything gets shut down because of COVID. So everything gets shut down. They don't get that full off season, and then they have to come back in the fall. Similar situation that we had at Marietta. They uh, had, like, some fall practices, a little bit of, like, a fall camp. looked more like spring ball. It was, it was weird. And then in the spring, they went right into playing. So in that spring, they played four games, went two and two, a great stepping stone for the program. And then turn around, we go right in the fall. I get hired that summer, so I come in in the fall now. And as you said, four and one at home, but we did not play as good on, on the road. We went what, one and five on the road, something like that. So it was, we finally had some old guys, but they didn't have the full experience of having old guys in front of them. So they were learning themselves how to be the leaders of the team for the new young guys coming in. So it was a difficult transition. Clearly, we have uh, plenty of talent. We still won five games in that transition. It was an, as you said, it up and down season, man. Sometimes when we were when we were playing good, the highs it, it felt it felt awesome, and then there were some real lows, where you know we lost a couple games in a row and had to bounce back. 
we finished with two straight losses. So the highs and lows were definitely, you know, very high, very low, too much of a roller coaster that us as a coaching staff, we, we did not want it to go that way. But speaking on that, you speak about uh, our guys and their stats. I'll speak uh, about Cy, our running back, Cy Ali. He was the first 1,000-yard rusher in program history. And when after the last game, I congratulated him because that's when he yeah, sealed his 1,000 yards. I congratulated him. He's like, oh, thanks, coach. It's all you. I'm like, not a chance. It's all me, man. You do some things that, you know, some guys can't coach. And even the other backs that, you know, everyone knows who Cy is. But I got Cy, Eli, Jeremiah, Malachi, Alex, Ahmad. They all do things that – Sometimes you can't coach. They, they, they're very uh, athletic guys. And I, my thing is just, you know, getting them on the right track, trying to help them out. But great athletic guys. And now I'm actually coaching the fullbacks and tight ends also. So uh, I got Zoe and Steve Felton. They're, they're also great guys. And then this week it was very unique. Uh, one of our defensive line played tight end for the week, just, you know, in case we needed a tight end throughout the season. He played tight end, Brandon Munoz, who was actually the leader in sacks. So, you know, he was, he's an awesome guy, too. It's, uh, he's, a, he's a leader in his own way because he brings the energy. Either side of the ball he's on, you can really notice him. So shout-out to those guys, the guys I've been coaching. And also some receivers have also got some running back time, Stevie Mitchell and Trey Fullerton. Got to shout those guys out, too. But then talent at Division two level, I'm not sure if there are guys entering the draft that we played this year, but I know in the past – they played a couple guys. There were guys from Charleston. There's a receiver from Charleston. I think he was with the Colts this year. And I, there's also one or two defensive linemen from Charleston that have been in the NFL. And then we play in the same conference as Notre Dame, who's always a top ten team in the country. So, you know, we play a lot of great teams in this conference. We see a lot of great talent because there's so many guys that something happened when they were, like, at the Division One level or they were committed to go to the Division One level, and then it just didn't pan out. And they had to bounce back, either went to a JUCO, whatever their situation was. And then they bounce back into Division Two, sometimes in Division Three. But we see a lot of those bounce back guys in Division Two. Great talent. They're, uh, they could compete with the guys at the Division One level. A lot of times it's guys that bounce back from Power Five schools. We actually have a transfer quarterback. He's a grad transfer. He's, uh, he was from WVU. He played at WVU, and now he's with us. So you see guys come from the Power Five to this conference. So. You see a lot of talent, guys that go to the NFL. It's, it's uh, awesome, you know, to see those guys in person, either on your team or playing against them. You know, speaking to that talent, too, you know, a lot of folks, you know, we've heard of Valdosta State. They're a power in D2. You know, Ashland University is a local Ohio school. They've put a couple guys in the NFL recently with Jamie Meter on the D-line and Adam Shaheen at tight end. D2 is not a joke, not at all. You know, we got to watch practice this morning. Um, you talked about energy. I mean, that's just live. I mean, this is spring ball. A lot of times people look at spring ball as kind of, you know, walk through. We don't want anybody to get hurt. We're just kind of getting revved up, ready to go. You guys were live. You know, we're sitting there watching, and we're thinking, okay, probably an hour and a half practice. I looked at Logan. You know, we're about 12, 25, and I'm thinking they got 10 more minutes. No, you guys are still going. Speak to that energy that you guys not only as the coaching staff bring, but watching specifically the defense. We were close to a lot of the DBs on their drills, and I mean – Everybody was just hyped the entire time. Can you speak a little bit to that energy that you guys want to have in this program? You know, it's great when the, the guys are out there just having fun. It makes practice flow a lot better. This week in general, we've had great energy all week at practice. And it's partly, you know, the guys, 
it's a lot on them. They have to bring the energy because they're the ones out there doing it. As coaches, we're just coaching. Now, we try to bring as much energy to get those guys fired up one way or another, whether, you know, we just, like, we're telling jokes while we're stretching before practice or, you know, someone comes out hooting and hollering, just yelling at them, get them going right now. One way or another, you got to try to get those guys going somehow, and then it's on them to just take it from there. So whenever they're bringing the energy, you know, it's a lot of fun out there, especially if it's a competitive day going back and forth. Offense makes a big play, we're all going crazy, and then they come back and make a big play, they're going crazy. It's uh, pretty awesome whenever that's happening. It's really great whenever the offense is doing it, you know, less headaches. Today there were probably a little bit more headaches than, uh, than fun times on our sideline, I'm not going to lie. But this past week we've had some times where, you know, we've, we were having a ton of fun, clicking, seems like you're clicking on all cylinders, and then sometimes, you know, you just have those lows. We talked about last season, there was too much highs and lows. Sometimes that's like that in practice. That's where we don't want to be like that. You don't want to be the up and down roller coaster. You just want to be on that steady incline. Keep that energy high all the way through. Most definitely. And I know you and my co-host, Logan, very familiar with each other. You guys played at Marietta together. I know Logan's got a question he wants to bounce off you, so I'm going to turn it over to him at this time. Right. So we both played at the D3 level, and now that you're here at the D2, um, kind of addressed earlier in some other interviews like the talent level we see at D3 how would you compare like the division two level that you see now to like what we experienced down in D3 and how would you compare D2 against D1 as well um we played together we were also roommates actually for three years so, so oh my god they were roommates <laughs> But as far as, you know, comparing, we were fortunate enough with OAC, you know, top conference in the country in Division Three. So we, we saw a lot of talent that we probably saw guys that we felt could play at the Division One level, play in the NFL. So we were very fortunate to have that. And I feel like that's a lot the same here. I just talked about the bounce backs we get, guys that come from Division One to play for us at Division Two or play against us. So, you know, it's hard to compare. I think sometimes it seems like the speed of the game is faster at the Division II level. And then when you talk about comparing Division I, Division II, a lot of the times, you know, as far as like, you know, testing, you know, everyone talks about the 40 time, how much they can bench press. A lot of times you have the Division II guys that, you know, can run the 4-4-40, can get, you know, however many times in 225 in the combine bench. A lot of times they could do the same numbers as the Division I guys, but they don't have the measurables that they talk about at Division I, you know. As a tight end, you want to be, you know, 6'4", 235 pounds and be able to fly. Well, sometimes our tight ends can run like those guys or they're as strong as those guys. They're just, you know, 6'2", 215 pounds. I don't know. Receivers, just as fast, but sometimes you'll see, you know, the short slot receivers that are like 5'8", five, 5'7", five, at this level compared to, you know, being 6' foot across the board, 6' foot and higher across the board at Division One level. So a lot of the talent level is the same as far as, you know, Sometimes the speed, sometimes the strength, but the size is what's the difference. The measurables is what everyone likes to talk about. You know, we watched practice today, and I, you know, we watched a lot of either the O-line, D-line, or we watched a lot of the receivers and DBs. And watching the receivers and DBs specifically, those guys can get up and high point the ball just as well as any power five guy. I saw several receivers today just go out there and make catches that you're seeing guys on Sunday make. You know, I saw several DBs, you know, just, I mean, great pass breakups. I talked, you know, specifically with Logan. I talked about, you know, the speed's there. I see a lot of elite speed, but one thing that I saw that sometimes you don't even see at the D1 level is the play recognition, the ability to find the football in the air. It's a lot of those intangibles, you know. I think what people don't realize is D2, you know, you can be a supreme athlete, 
but also there is a deep knowledge of the game at this level. I want to talk more specifically about your position as a coach. You know, you're coaching the running backs. Can you speak specifically, you know, we hear now a lot, you know, I've pushed it on this show. Running backs are only as good as their offensive line. I'm going to guess that you do feel that the running back himself plays an important role in that as well. Can you speak specifically what goes into having an elite running back? What goes into being a solid running back from not only, you know, playing standpoint, but all of the intangibles that goes into it? So having, having a great offensive line definitely helps out the running back, but you can see it's not always the case that the running back can be limited by the offensive line. Uh, I'm just going to speak in the NFL. You know, Najee Harris plays for the Steelers. They probably had the, one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL, but Najee Harris, his yards after contact were like amongst the top of the NFL. I don't know the exact stats because I haven't been able to follow as much as I used to, but I know he, th- that happened. So – the running back can actually help out the offensive line a lot, especially if you have a great running back and a weaker offensive line. You can still see the running back have a lot of success by helping them out, whether, you know, they just have, you know, it where they're going to make the first guy miss all the time. They're able to break through the first tackle and keep going. So it definitely helps to have the great offensive line, but great running back also helps a lot, especially, you know, whether it's breaking tackles, making guys miss, catching the ball out of the backfield. It, there's, there's so many different skills that good running backs have, and whenever they have all of those skills, it, it's pretty unique. You know, Najee Harris, great running back. Uh, Nick Chubb, great running back. I, I could go on and on and say, like, these guys could probably go where their offense line isn't as great, and they can still make things happen. So I think uh, it's a little bit more respect to the running back, especially as many hits as those guys take. When you talk about, you know, going in the NFL, they, they don't have as long – careers because they take so many hits so the running back you could say is a replaceable guy especially if you have a great offensive line but they they do a lot they do a lot to help themselves out even if the play breaks down and they're not able to have as much help as they would like and I've got a couple running backs in particular you being a running backs coach I wanted to ask you about a couple running backs in particular we saw from the NFL this last season. I'm going to upset my co-host Logan here for a minute because we're going to go back to Logan's favorite Super Bowl running back, Samaj P. Ryan, here for a second. I got to ask you, a lot of people look at a guy like Samaj P. Ryan. He's not the fastest running back. He's not the most elusive running back. But the one thing that's consistent with a guy like a Samaj P. Ryan and a lot of your third down goal linebacks in particular is their pass blocking. Pass blocking is not something we think about with running backs, but it is crucial, especially in an offense like what we saw you guys executing a lot today at practice. You guys are in the shotgun a lot. Can you speak to why not, A, it is important, that pass blocking from the running back position, but give us a little bit of insight. We see, you know, we can all see the free rusher on our screen when we see the running back coming free, but can you speak a little bit, from the running back standpoint, what they're seeing there and what separates, you know, your average running back from an elite pass blocking back like a Samaj P. Ryan. So pass blocking is, you know, something I actually failed to mention, and it is very underrated. Pass blocking as a running back is huge because a lot of the times it's not you're just pass blocking or you're just running a route. A lot of times you have to check the protection and then get into a check down route. So to be a great pass blocking running back you have to understand the scheme that you are running you have to understand that the quarterback or center whichever your offense prefers is going to call out the mic or the ids so so and so is the mic or id this guy and this guy 
depending on your scheme, you usually have, you know, two guys that you're checking. So the running back needs to hear the IDs and be able to identify, okay, who's the next two? Those are the two that I have to pick up. And a lot of times, you know, the younger guys will struggle with that. Guys who have been around longer, they're able to understand it more. But you have to put a lot of time. You can't just, you know, sleep through meetings or not take any notes. You have to be able to understand that, hey, I'm going to check two guys, and it depends on who the IDs are. Because, you know, sometimes the quarterback could go out there and they could ID this guy and the guy right next to him. They can ID this guy, a guy across the field from him. It just, you know, it just depends on the defensive front they give you. So you have to be able to either yourself be able to pick out the IDs that help the quarterback out or be able to have an idea for who they're going to pick or just listen. And then sometimes you have that time to communicate with the quarterback, hey, so I'm picking up this guy and this guy. But they're not always able to do that. They're not always able to tell the running back who they got. So you have to be able to – uh, pay attention and figure out who they're calling the ID so you can identify the next two that you're going to pick up. So it's very it's a very underrated and under-noticed uh, thing from uh, casual fans. Uh, I actually wasn't expecting this question. So, you know, more hardcore fans are actually able to understand, hey, running backs got to be great pass blockers too, and that is 100% correct. You have to be able to be smart enough to do it, and then you have to be willing to do it because not every running back is going to be willing to go out there and block. But, you know, the one thing we like to say to our running backs a lot, you know, no blocky, no rocky. So you got to be able to block if you uh, are going to help out this team. It's a, it's a very, you know, sometimes people say, you know, the running backs, they're the ones always getting the ball. Maybe they're not always a great teammate. No, you got to be a great teammate. You got to be willing to block for your teammates. And, yeah. You know, I consider pass blocking at the running back position to be kind of like taking a charge in basketball. It's not the sexiest thing in the world. You know, it might impact your ability to get that extra touch later on, but it's something that, A, is going to be noticed on film, and it could be the difference between making a roster and not making a roster. You know, like you talked about, a lot of guys at this level, they can run the 4-4, they can run the 4-5, they can make that cut in the open field. But some of them, you know, we call it business decisions. You know, I'd rather be able to get my extra 10 touches than pick up that blitzing linebacker. Well, that blitzing linebacker could be the difference between your starting quarterback plan and your third-string quarterback plan. And, you know, I want to, you know, look at your guys' conference. You guys overall are in a pretty difficult conference, you know, especially for being such a young program. You talked about Mount Notre Dame there up in the Cleveland area, but down here as well, you guys got teams like West Liberty. Uh, Frostburg State last year went 10-1. and I mean – you know, that was a tough game for you guys, obviously. But there was a lot of improvement. I spoke to West Liberty. You guys pulled out a you know, win there last year. Like I said, only one loss at home. What are the not only the expectations as you guys continue to get better in spring ball here, but what are you noticing as far as as you guys are building the culture? What do you notice taking shape here? Uh, I think, you know, we're looking forward to and uh, getting ready to take that next step, you know. We've gone – in the spring we went 500, in the fall we went 5-6, five 5-5 and six, five and five in the conference, 500. So, you know, from the looks of that, that's an average football team. And this offseason a lot of our things are we're too ha- – we can't be too happy with being average. You've got to be willing to do the uncomfortable things to be able to take that next step. And, you know, as far as early, you know, in February we started the 6 a.m. runs out, in, uh, out on the field. You know, it's – 10 degrees out there, who's willing to get up, come to run and do the full workout. In February, we had the runs in the morning, lifts in, the, uh, in their normal times. You know, we had, based on their class schedule, they had four different lifting groups. So a lot of times you have two-a-days in that sense. Um, 
Fridays we had early morning workouts. The first workout starts at 5 a.m. So that's been every Friday the entire offseason, including now when we're still in spring ball. So you got to be willing to do the uncomfortable. You got to get up. You got to get up early and, you know, do things because everyone in the country of college football, everyone's doing exactly what we're doing, you know, as far as different exercises, practicing, you know, so many times, depending on, you know, the rules, how many times they're allowed to practice. We're allowed 15 practices. Everyone in Division Two is having 15 practices. Everyone's having the workouts, you know. What we're telling our guys is we got to do it better than everyone else to be able to take that next step. We got to be willing to wake up at 5 a.m. and go work out. So we're getting them uh, to do the uncomfortable. Uh, today you, you came to practice. It was off-site. We didn't have practice at our own place. It was, you know, kind of like a road game for us. Some guys handled it well. Some guys didn't have the best practice. But, you know, it's something that's unnatural for you in spring ball. You're usually, you know, on your own field, whether it's in the morning, afternoon, evening. No, we went off-site. So it's just, you know, doing the uncomfortable to be able to take that next step. And I'll tell you, you know, watching you guys' practice today, being around, you know, just the coaching environment, watching the players, you know, being at the field level, this isn't your average team. This isn't an ordinary team. It, Like I spoke to the energy, this is, this is a team that – being an outsider, being a fan, just watching, feels like they're ready. You know, I want to want to shift gears though. Got just a couple more questions for you. And again, we thank you for coming on. I want to shift to the high schoolers. You know, obviously, you played. You were a high schooler at one point. You were a high schooler trying to pick a college to go play at. But now you're also a coach, coaching former high schoolers. So I want to shift a little bit to. You know, like we talked about, D1, they can give full rides. Now we have NIL deals, and, you know, we see guys like Quinn Ewers from, you know, he was at Ohio State. He made a million dollars, got a free truck, and, I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? But speak a little bit to what does D2 offer that, you know, can still be enticing for an athlete? Speak a little to, you know, obviously we all want the big NIL deals, but what can D2 give us that, you know, and give to these high schoolers that maybe isn't looked at enough? Uh, well, actually, you know, at the Division Two level, we do have some guys that still have the NIL deals. It's not as big as, you know, you just mentioned uh, Quinn Ewers, but, you know, whether it's guys, you know, selling some T-shirts. We had a, a couple guys do that. Um, having those, like, uh, discount codes that so much of the proceeds go back to them if they use that code. I, I, don't, I don't fully understand it, but at Division Two level, uh, NIL, it's still, you know, prevalent. And then at the Division Two level, we're still able to award scholarship money. Uh, it's not – we're able to give partial scholarships all the way up to a full scholarship. At, like, Division One, like, big-time FBS football, all their scholarships, it has to be full ride. But then you get down to the FCS level or Division Two level, it's uh, a lot of partial scholarships. There's still some full scholarships. So just depending on, you know, different schools' models. So you're able to offer scholarship money to be able to go get an education and then play football. You know, we everyone here, they're student athletes. So you're a student first. Uh, a lot of things people don't understand as coaches, you know, how much we do, like grade checks. Every week we have uh, academic meetings to make sure they're doing their assignments, checking their grades, to keep guys on the right track. Some, you see a lot, a lot of time, you know, the guys don't – a lot of guys do not understand how important their academics are until it's too late. So we have some guys right now that are ineligible because they were slacking off during the season and then they're ineligible for the whole next semester. So, you know, getting guys back towards eligibility, it's very important, you know, 
academics are the most important thing before football. So, you know, for, for the high school guys that are getting ready to go and make their college decision, you know, Division two, we care about, you know, going. Our number one goal in our program is to make sure the guys graduate. And then it's everything after that. So you're coming here, you're going to get a great education, and guess what? You still get to play football. And as we talked about, you know, the talent in this conference and still in all, all of Division two, you still have that chance to go to the league. It's definitely, you know, you can, there, you can count the number of guys that have gone Division two. Tyree Kill was a Division two football player, and now he is the highest paid receiver in the league. So it's, you still got that chance to be able to go to the league from Division two, and still most of the time you're, you're going to – if you're going to the league, you're usually graduating from the Division two school. So you're going to have that education to back you up. You're going to have that degree if football doesn't work out still. So. And the last question before we let you go. Again, we want to thank you for your time. I want, want to, you know, allow you to – obviously, like we said, you were a high school recruit. You now work with high school recruits all the time. You're working with these college athletes. You can give them one piece of advice. What's the one piece of advice you would give to any kid right now who's, you know, either a recruit himself or just trying to decide what's next in life for football? What, what would be your piece of advice to that football player? So right now I'm going to go, you know, I'm not going to talk about, like, the football or the film. Number one thing is are you a guy that is able to respond in a timely manner? Or if a coach asks you to do something, how fast are you able to do it? Or are you going to, you know, not respond to the coach and then they don't know if they're, you're going to get back to them? Or, like, when you're scheduling your visits and a coach reaches out to you, you know, gives you your itinerary, itinerary are you going to be the guy that's, you know, oh, thanks, coach, can't wait to get there? Or are you not going to respond? And the coach is like, well, I sent him the itinerary. If he shows up, he shows up, you know. Are you a guy that they can, you know, count on and understand that they're going to be there? Are they going to take that itinerary seriously, show up on time? Because little do you know, you're always being evaluated, even though, you, you know, in a bunch of visits, you know, sometimes you'll have that workout at the end of the visit, but you can still get evaluated throughout the whole, like, visit process, whether, you know, are you a guy that's paying attention, asking questions, or are you a guy, you know, that while you're give, getting that tour, are you, like, on your phone, not paying attention, not really caring what's going on? So that's outside of the football stuff. And then the football stuff, you know, Everyone likes to talk about the film. A lot of time it's great for coaches to see, like, game film or practice film to see, you know, you have your highlights, but in the game, how many plays did you slack off? In practice, how hard are you going? Are you going to be a guy that, you know, we can't depend on at practice? If, we, if we're out there at practice and we can't count on you in practice, we're not going to be able to count on you in the game. So, you know, people don't understand, like, how important everything is. You know, you see college coaches that go to practices or, you know, in the offseason, they have, like, the seven-on-seven seven stuff. You know, coaches are going to go to that stuff, and they're going to watch your mannerisms in every play. Are you a selfish guy or are you a team guy? So, you know, you're always being watched, even though if you, you don't think so. So. And I love it. You know, I was talking with Logan earlier. There's practice players. If you played a team sport, we've all heard of practice players. The guy who shows up the first half of practice, or maybe he's really that good all of practice, but come game time, he's just happy to be there. So I love what you said about, just remember, somebody's always watching you, you know, if this is what you want to do, show it, because there's plenty, there's plenty of guys who want to do this. If you, if you want it, go get it. So I love that. Again, we want to thank you for coming on the show today. Obviously, we look forward to watching you guys this year. Hopefully we can get back together with you middle of the season and just see, you know, 
see where you guys are at. Fun group to watch. We can't wait to see what you guys do this season. I want to thank you again for coming on. That's all we got for you guys today. Like I always tell you guys, rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast. But until then, we'll see you guys later. Have a good one.